If you ask me when I was 18, what an idea of success looked like, I'd look at myself and I think, okay, by the time I'm 25, I want to be this big tech billionaire and, you know, I want to have done all these things. And I mean, I'm 26 now. And even if you round up pretty generously, I'm about a billion dollars away from being a billionaire. So, <laughs> there's still a, lot, a long way to go. Yeah. Welcome back to Flirting with Failure. My name is Addison Brown. Um, I believe that everyone has a story of sensation, but the best stories don't exist without complete and utter screw-ups. Today, I am talking with Ishan Pakrasi. Ishan, how are you? Hi, Addy. I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you for asking. Thank you for having um, me. How have you been these past few months? I know I know times are a-changing. I have been good. I know this might sound uh, this might sound a little taboo to say, but I've had a really good summer. Uh, okay, first of all, lucky. how dare you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> no, no, I, so I travel a lot for work usually, uh-huh. but this summer I've gotten to spend time at home in Chicago, been in my own space, so that's been super nice. You got to go back there. to India this summer? No, be home as in, in my apartment. Oh, 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 okay, okay. Oh, like all of us, yeah, in yes, our apartment. Like I was like, but wow. But for me, that's a release. It's like a, a blessing to be home. Instead of traveling all the time. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. um, and you said your work allows you to travel. Would you elaborate on, on what your work is? <laughs> uh, allows me to travel is a bit of a stretch. It okay. forces me to travel. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I work as a consultant for this company called Ernst & Young. And okay, and that's that's like a big one, right? Like I feel like... Yeah, kind okay. of, I suppose. It's one of the known ones. Yeah, um, this is one of those situations where like, I know your job title is consultant, but I, 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 don't, I don't know what you do. I don't think anyone knows what okay. consultant <laughs> is. Not even the people that hire us, so hopefully none okay. of them listen oh. to this. <laughs> hey but, um, so what I do for a living is I, um, I do automations consulting, which okay. means I work with companies and try to um, analyze their business processes uh-huh. and find ways where we can make business robots to do some certain tasks. That are business robots? Yeah. Okay, that's, you should just make that on your business card, not <laughs> consultant. Business roboticists. Business. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I get to travel for it. Um, but I usually travel to towns like Green Bay, Wisconsin, or uh-huh. Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, so it's not as glamorous. So so big tourist hotspots. Big yeah. tourist hotspots. Um, <laughs> shout out to Hartford. Actually, a great city. Okay. Uh, but um, we're a pro Hartford podcast. Oh, 100 uh, So I do that uh, on a typical week. I travel every Monday morning, and I fly back to Chicago every Thursday. What? And do that week in, week out. Every so single week. Every single week. Oh my gosh! Does that affect like any type of like? Yes. Relationship? Yeah. <laughs> my girlfriend, my lovely girlfriend, called me her weekend boyfriend for the longest time. Aww. That's the only time I was around. So in that vein, the this uh, pandemic world of us working from home has been quite a blessing. Okay, good. So, well, I, I am glad. I am glad that you have gotten that out of this pandemic. I really <laughs> yes. am. Thank you. Okay, so you business robots, and I also know you to be an artist. <laughs> so I'm masquerade as an artist. So masquerade, I I yeah. Um, when so, did you get started with that? So I, uh, let me back up then a little bit. So I, I came, uh, I grew up in New Delhi, India, mm-hmm. and I moved to the United States uh, when I was 18, as most immigrants do, mm-hmm. uh, for university. So I did my undergrad in and master's at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And in my master's degree, I did this really weird mix of, of subjects. I did robotics and dance. So I worked in this lab called the Robotics Automation and Dance Lab. 
under this really inspirational advisor, Amy Lavears, who essentially she's trying to combine this, this really free-flowing artistic world of dance with uh -huh. this really rigid world of engineering. Right, so I, I had the chance to work with a lot of creatives and I had the chance to kind of study how, how not just how they worked, but how they, they conducted their practice with the intention of, of studying, say, like dancers and dance movements and, and noticing how dancers, say, make like a movement angry mm -hmm. and trying to code that movement into some sort of like robotic movement using like mathematical um, you know, algorithms and stuff like that to, to have robots move in a similar way. So that if you saw the robot move, you'd go, huh, that looks like an angry robot. So, uh, so yeah. okay, so <laughs> listeners can't see my face right now, but my jaw is down. That's literally one of the coolest things I've ever heard in my life. It was it was a lot of fun, and it was it was I, I was really lucky because I got a chance to interact with these with people just outside of my thought process in a lot of ways. So you know? is that like dancers or dancers, okay uh, musicians and and the the goal there really was um, I mean we we wanted to create uh, scientific research that was informed by more. Um, quote unquote human things in a sense, you know? So yeah, yeah, no. So that was a lot of fun. So that gave me the chance to, to think through how I want to approach creativity in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. And it allowed me to embark on some really interesting creative endeavors through engineering. So for instance, um, when, when I was in college, uh, I, along with one of my collaborators, Katie Kwan, who's mm -hmm. this brilliant, brilliant dancer, who's now a PhD student at Stanford. Uh, we came up with this this robot dance performance. It was kind mm -hmm. of an interactive exhibit performance, uh, and we did this with with Amy Lavier, who was my grad graduate advisor. And um, we toured this in across across the United States. We toured it in Canada. We toured it in Italy, and it was this experimental kind of uh, experiential performance where you would go interact with robots and move in this really uninhibited way, and then mm -hmm. have the robots mimic your movements, right? So I mean, that's kind of a, a butchered <laughs> sense of, of no. what we did, but. But it was just this really cool space where I got to, to explore how I could live through, you know, these things that I'd studied that were, again, very rigid, and then find ways to use those things creatively. So. Oh, my goodness. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I had no idea that this is anything you've ever done or anything that's ever <laughs> even existed. All I can think of in my mind is, like, the theme song for, like, a children's show that's, like, ballet robots, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That summarizes it pretty well. Okay. That's, in essence, what we did. Okay, so, and then this, this thing that you toured. So, in order to move and make these robots mimic you, did you have to, like, hook yourself up to something or? Yes, yes that's a good question. So, um, the way we, we structured this was we, so, you, you know, the game telephone yes where you kind of sit in a circle you whisper stuff to each other and yeah, it goes yeah, around yeah and the whatever ends up is like a very butchered version of what starts so we tried we tried playing this game of, of quote-unquote movement telephone where um you'd, you'd see a robot do a pre-programmed series of motions mm -hmm. so it would like right arm up left arm up and then it would it would do do this almost like dance like movement to, to a soundtrack you would try to copy it and then we had this motion sensitive camera that used infrared to track your movements. And then those movements informed a second robot. So basically you controlled a second robot and that second robot tried to copy your movements. And then there was a third person that copy, tried to copy that robot's movement. And then a fourth person that, and then a fourth robot that was copied, whatever. So you get the point. I, so it was just like sequence domino effect of, of movement telephone. And um, the idea there was we wanted to um, make these robots kind of less intimidating. And, and yeah, I mean, it was just, we use a bunch of sensors. Um, we use uh, this camera called the Kinect, which which uses uh, infrared sensors to track your body position. Mm -hmm. And then we also use these physical sensors that glue to your body. In um, so, you, do you know the game uh, FIFA? 
Soccer. Soccer. Yeah, I've I heard mean, of there's it. A, there's a PlayStation game called FIFA. Yeah. So you know how um, when when you play FIFA, all the players they have certain movements that they so in order to capture those movements, they use these motion sensitive cameras mm-hmm. and they put these dots all over your body. I'm sure yeah, you've seen those. I've seen that for like the people who do the stuff for just dance. Yes. So exactly. that's my game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of the sensitive okay. games as well. So so yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that fun. is like I've never like been so excited about something that's technically scientific i think <laughs> that, and that was the goal of it right yeah to get people excited about stuff like this in a kind of uh, subversive way yeah you realize you're engaging in these really complex engineering solutions but yeah yeah um I, yeah i i love i love that concept of like you said calling you, you said rigid like you know engineering everyone's like oh i'm an engineer you know mm-hmm. and and making it about like art and dancing that is truly so wonderful it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Oh my God. Okay. So, and then you said that that has led you to other kind of like creative endeavors Yep. or yeah. Uh, would you want to tell me about those? No, absolutely. So I've tried to keep that, that side of me alive in, in whatever way I can. Mm-hmm. So, um, after I graduated with my master's degree, um, so my graduate advisor, my collaborator, Katie Kwan and I, we tried to start a company in, in this creative space mm-hmm. where, um, we took this idea of, of dancing robots and this is going to sound like a stretch, but <laughs> we were trying to make robots for elderly people. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a stretch. Sure. But that, there's a lot behind this. Okay. Right? So the, the idea there was, um, if you can make a robot that moves in kind of a soothing way, in a way where, where you know, it, it seems like a friend, like an animatronic in yeah. some way then, uh, you can alleviate one of the biggest issues with, uh, getting old, which is being lonely. Oh my God. I know. It was really sad. So I was a part of this, this National Science Fund Foundation funded incubator. Mm-hmm. Um, so this incubator, essentially, it, it had us, it, they gave us a certain amount of money and they said, okay, take your scientific research and try to make this a company, right? So um, in doing that, we, we had this travel budget where we essentially traveled around the country and visited old age homes and then showed people videos of robots moving and said, <laughs> Do you like this? Do you not like this? <laughs> like, what are your biggest problems? Do you like and, this? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, I, I mean, we essentially it was like us throwing shit at the wall and seeing what stuck, right? And yeah. So trying to find a way that this research could be useful in 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 the world, and uh, and uh, after that, so that I'll, I'll talk about that a little later. But okay. that In effect, folded. Um, and after that, I've tried to, to continue my work in this this kind of creative technology field by. Um, by, so I work as a technology consultant in a sense, and I work for this, uh, this organization in Chicago called Revive. And Revive Chicago, essentially, we, in, in a broad sense, we host parties. Um, so okay. we go to these abandoned warehouses, throw these 400 to 500 person events, and I try to build technology experiences for these events. Right, so I'll give you an example. So one of the events that we had was at this, uh, do you know Goose Island? Yeah, yeah, the brewery. Yes. The brewery. So Goose Island is an actual like, place in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Chicago. And there's a bunch of abandoned warehouses there. So we threw this 500-person party in this abandoned warehouse, and I built this augmented reality dance floor at this uh-huh. event where I used the same camera that we used in, that, uh, in the project I was talking about earlier, the movement telephone project, Yeah. this uh, Kinect camera. And I created this this platform where if you stood and danced in front of the camera it would overlay effects on top of your body and display that on a projector like this 30 foot projector in the middle of the dance floor so So everyone at this warehouse party just 
off their rocker on Molly. Yes. Is watching themselves dance <laughs> and that was actually with effects and freaking out. Okay. And the best part about this was I had this little controller that I walked around with and I could change the effect. <laughs> so I would see these people out of their minds. Like, like a sociopath. Yeah, yeah oh, you go. <laughs> a, I mean, I can't even explain how much pleasure this gave me. Um, I would walk around and watch these people just blast it out of their minds at 3 a.m. Standing and they go, oh shit, that's me. That's me. <laughs> and they're moving. They're seeing this, these effects layered on top of them. They're like, holy fuck I'm fire now like now I'm like <laughs> I'm multiple fire colors. now <laughs> and, and then once they get really into it I change it and oh my god watching them blow, having their minds blown was so much fun <laughs> you are so evil but also so amazing that's wonderful so, so that, that's one way in which I do it. then um, another thing another project that I worked on in a similar vein um, there's this TV show called Fast Forward Girls um, okay. based in Chicago that's essentially a TV show that aims to it aims to highlight women in STEM right, mm -hmm. in high school women in STEM. Um, so I developed this uh, sequence of dancing robots. So I essentially built these robots. That's like your thing, is dancing robots. I wanted to be my, I okay. really wanted to be my <laughs> So um, I, I took these Roombas, you know what a Roomba Yeah, is, the, the circular vacuum-y things, yeah. Exactly, and we hacked these Roombas to make them dance. And they danced <laughs> with this, I think she was a 17-year-old like ballet influencer or something uh -huh. on Instagram. So um, so I did that back in February. So I, I try to work on as many projects as I can to keep mm -hmm. that creative side of me alive. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. I have so much to take in here with all okay. this dancing, robotics, warehouse party. It's just like a mix of everything. That's sensational. That's wild. Um, yeah. So I, I love the way that you have kind of started to make a career out of, or at least attempt, you know, you said, you know, you were really focusing on trying to make dancing robots your thing. Mm -hmm. And and that's, I mean, truly something I've, I've never heard of before. Um, and so, wow, what a unique, what a unique thing. And and it feels like you've done so many projects with that and you, you keep building on it. Right. And I think that that's wonderful. And I, I have a question. So for someone who is doing something that is so niche, and so uh, unheard of <laughs> and a little comical to me, I'll be, I'll be honest. <laughs> okay. So in, in this kind of like area, this kind of like field, so like what does success look like, like here, like in this, in this universe? That's, that's a good question. Um, so in my mind, um, I mean, I've had a kind of developing relationship with success and failure in that, yeah. in that vein. Great. And since this is so new, I mean, it's changed, right? The barometer that I've used to measure that success has changed. Uh -huh. so back in college, when I was doing my master's, I was really, I was neck deep in this world of academia. So uh -huh. there, your success is measured by how many papers you published, how many, um, you know, how much funding you get. And mm -hmm. and so at the time, my huge focus was on publishing papers. So I, I published about, I think, 10 or 11 papers in this field, mm. um, which was, I mean, it was awesome, really cool opportunities, got to work with some really cool people. But then... After, after I kind of left university and, and moved into this more traditional world of like having like a nine to five job yeah. and then doing this whole consulting thing, um, trying to understand what that barometer looks like has been a lot more challenging. And for me, a lot of it boils down to, am I trying my hardest to, to get these kind of opportunities and to find these niche spaces where I, where this weird interest of mine, which is, is working with technology and, yeah. and, and dancing robots, as, as yeah. you're saying, um, if, where I could find space, niche spaces where these overlap with other people and, and mm -hmm. they can be useful in some sense. I love you know, that. So it's just an attempting. So it's like, <laughs> it, I mean, you're literally spots. just like trying to find like an area where you like where you fit in with it, like in this crazy world. 100%. Oh my God. That's, uh, first of all, so poetic, so beautiful. <laughs> um, okay, great, great. Um, I, 
I have loved every minute of this conversation and I, I am so thrilled to have learned about these projects because I, again, did not know they existed. Um, but now I would love to, to ask you, and mm -hmm. it's spoiler alert, it's in the title. Okay. Um, could you tell me about a time or times, any kind of story um, where maybe you failed or made a mistake or, or did something that was um, how you, an oopsie. <laughs> multiple oopsies. Yeah. So, um, hmm. So, uh, that my, my relationship again with failure has been, I mean, it's something that that's developed a lot since I was a kid. Right. So mm -hmm. when I was, if you asked me when I was 18, what an idea of success looked like, I'd look at myself and I think, okay, by the time I'm 25, I want to be this big tech billionaire and you know, I want to have done all these things. And I mean, I'm 26 now. And even if you round up pretty generously, I'm about a billion dollars away from being a billionaire. So <laughs> there's still a, lot, a long way to go there. Hey, but, um, same. <laughs> so, I mean, initially when I started out, I had this very binary sense of, of failure and, and trying where yeah. I was like, either you do it or you don't. Yeah. And um, over, over time, I've kind of realized, um, you know, through a bunch of experiences, what my relationship with failure looks like. And... Uh, uh, I can I can speak to a couple of in, a, a couple of situations in my life where I've learned a lot. So um, the first was back in 2016 when I was a senior. Great year. Great year. <laughs> Great year. Remember 2016? No, <laughs> I don't. It's too far away. So a lot happened yeah. before. A lot happened. Yeah. A lot was happening in my life as mm -hmm. well. I was a senior at university. I was just about to graduate, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Fuck! I've spent four years studying. What do I do with this?" And yeah. I was super confused. Didn't really know what to do with my life. And uh, I spoke to a lot of people around me and I was like, okay, no one else really knows what they're doing either. It seems like everyone's just trying. So I really wanted to, to speak to people who had kind of made it in their field and to try to understand, um, you know, what they had done to achieve this path of success. So I had this brilliant idea. Mm -hmm starting a podcast. No, <laughs> I've never even heard of that before. Know, it's a very interesting. You should try it sometime. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I tried to start this podcast where I wanted to find people in different fields and, and people who had achieved the apex of success in those uh -huh. fields to try to understand their story. Right. So I, I tried to leverage a lot of, a lot of people that we knew back home. So I managed mm -hmm. to get, uh, the the captain of the Indian cricket team, which cricket is huge. No, I, I, yeah, I, and, I do know um, that. Yeah. This was the captain who at the time had won the last Cricket World Cup for India. Oh, His name's Kapil That's Deir. massive. I was really lucky to find him. Really lucky that he, yeah. he said yes. Then I managed to find the richest Indian woman. Um, her, uh, her oh name Oh my is, God. Yeah, so she started, her dad started this company called HCL and uh, uh, her name is Roshi Nader. So really, really cool guest as well. Then I found this artist. His name's Parish Maiti really well-known Indian artist. He, he painted all the murals in New Delhi airport. Uh -huh. and he's super well-known for that. Oh my God. Um, and then I found the biggest journalist in India, this guy called Rajat Sharma. And I found a, a musician, this guy called Rahul Ram, who's uh -huh. a part of this band called Indian Ocean, who people should listen to Indian Ocean. Great okay, band. yeah, stream Indian Ocean. Stream Indian Ocean. You heard band. it here, yeah. So I had all these people lined up and I, I wanted to have these conversations with them where I kind of asked them, you know, what does what your journey to success look like? How have you kind of how, stumbled along in life and tried to understand, um, you uh -huh. know, where you want to be in life and how have you got to where you are? Because in a lot of ways, when, when we look at these people, they're at these, these pinnacles of like, oh my God, these guys have done such amazing things, but... I'm sure there's a story there, right? A story of yeah. fucking up along the way. Um, so <laughs> so what you're telling me is familiar? you did my podcast with more famous people. Hear me out. Though. Okay. <laughs> In India. This, there's an oopsie coming. There's a big okay. oopsie coming. So I recorded all these episodes, had these really cool conversations, got, got some really cool information where I learned a lot. But um, once I reviewed the footage, I was like, 
I look like an idiot. <laughs> so it's I'm, shine. I know, I know. So I never ended up following through with it. Oh. I have all this footage that's just lying in my hard drive somewhere. And I looked at this and I was like, holy shit, I look stupid. My hands are twitching. I, I say um too much in this conversation. So I'm never going to publish this. Is that the only reason? Because you said um. Is, yes. like you really I mean, one of the only reasons. But I mean, it was... <laughs> whatever at the time I was like you know this is too stupid I'm not going to do this so at that time I kind of there was this really weird I was at this weird position where I'm like okay I have this body of work that I've done am I going to accept that I'm feeling at this because I don't like how I'm doing it and mm -hmm. my answer was yes I am so at, at the time I just yeah. said you know what I'm just going to take this as an L um, I had cool conversations with people got um, got some really interesting insight out of it for myself but this doesn't align with where with the kind of product that I want to push out so I'm just going to move forward so that in a in a very binary sense like i did fail hard um out of my own doing uh sure. but, but i i was comfortable with that you know because i was like this is i don't know i just wasn't happy with the product and i, I felt uh -huh. like i wasn't seasoned enough i wasn't uh i was a child pretty much i didn't know yeah. what i was doing and i was very okay with with failing in this in this regard um, so, so that's, that's oopsie number one. Okay. Wait, I, I have to ask really quick. Yeah. How many episodes did you record that, six. that are just six with like uber famous people? Yep. Oh my God, this hurts. Okay. So if, you're, if you're looking for a flirting with failure, India. Yeah. I was like, do you still have their contact <laughs> information? I have the content. So we could have like a sister podcast. Okay. All right. Um, um you know what? Let's let's, let's, let's keep an eye out on the Patreon yes. for this. Um, more more to come, more details to come. Um, you, you may keep talking now. <laughs> so so that was one aspect where um, you know what I learned. My my takeaways from that were um, I'm okay failing if I'm not happy. I mean, there's this idea, right, that done is better than perfect. But sure. at the time, I struggled with that idea a lot. I was like, if it's not perfect, it's not done. Uh, yeah, I get that, yes. And and I've developed a lot, certainly. I mean, if I did the same thing today, I'd probably just publish it and be like, you know what, it's done. Yeah, and you're older but now. I'm yeah. older now, I, like, I know more about myself, I'm more comfortable with not mm -hmm. being the perfect, idealized version of myself, so. Yes, absolutely. So that was my first oopsie. Okay. Um, one of many, but um, <laughs> the second major oopsie. Um, so this was uh, more, so. When, when I graduated university, I mentioned that I, I tried to start this company in, in making these dancing robots for older yes. adults. Um, so I spent about maybe a year of my life. And I mean, I was really dedicated towards starting this endeavor. I mm -hmm. had these, these, again, grandiose ambitions of being a tech billionaire and whatnot, which- Which is great. Very simplistic, but yeah. It was, sure, it was, yeah. But that's, that's what drove a lot of it. And uh, we, so I, I worked on this endeavor with my two collaborators for a very long time. And I was kind of walking this weird tightrope of wanting to start a company, but not being able to because of my visa. Oh. <laughs> right, so I'm oh, here in a, I'm yeah. here in a, a work visa, it's called an H-1B. Yeah. But at the time, so an H-1B visa is something you get from a lottery, right? So uh -huh. at the time I hadn't won the lottery. So I was just here on a student visa. And I was like, if this doesn't work, I'm fucked. I have to like leave. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. Um, so I was, I was, I on one hand I was working really hard to, to, to kind of um, move this idea forward, to, to form this, this this dream of mine, but um, on the other hand, I, I also had these doubts of if this fails, then I'm fucked. I have to like go home, and I mean, I just can't do anything here. Um, so, uh, working in that in that kind of weird tightrope again, I I started to understand how, I mean, in in these efforts and in these endeavors that I go through, how re reality kind of hits you and backhand slaps you in the face sometimes. And uh, we we worked really hard to form this company, and I mean. 
when you're trying to start an endeavor like this, right? You go through multiple phases and multiple cycles of trying and failing, and trying and failing, and trying and failing. And there's mm-hmm. this wiggle room that you have to try and fail, where if you fail, you just try again, right? And that's how the stories of a lot of these startups go. Yeah. But in 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 my eyes, if I failed, I didn't have that wiggle room because it, yeah. it would mean there was a, just a, a broader implication and a grander implication of my my life as I knew it, just radically changing. And I had to reconcile with. I had to become more comfortable with the idea of, of going a more traditional path and giving up this this idea in some sense because it risked so much of my life. So in on the face of it, the company folded and you know there was a whole bunch of reasons why it did. Um, we we didn't have the right product market fit, uh, even though the team was great, even though we worked well together. But uh, I had to get comfortable with the fact that you know the fact that you know, the way reality is set, the, the, the cards that are dealt to me just won't allow me to try and fail as much, as many times as I need to, to be successful here. So, yeah. so ended up folding that and I found this nine to five job that I do. Um, oh my God. So yeah. So the stakes were so high and you had to make a decision of like, do I keep risking everything to make mm-hmm. this dream happen? Yep. Or do I succumb to live here? Okay. So Wow. Okay. First of all, that is a struggle I I know nothing of, and I really think when I look at you now, I'm like brave, 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 <laughs> because I think I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of people like yeah. You, so. I mean, and I think you made the smart decision, and I'm glad you made that decision because you're still here, yeah. <laughs> in front of me. Um, right. and so you said the company folded. Was that because um because you had to give up, or or because of other reasons? So because of other reasons. So we didn't give up instantly. Okay. When I started my my full time job. Um, my collaborators and I had this kind of understanding that, you know, we do our jobs and then work on this on the side, right? So okay. one of my collaborators was a professor at the <clears throat> University of Illinois at the time. So she obviously had this job of like teaching students, writing papers, working with grants, this entire world of academia. My other collaborator is a PhD student at Stanford. And then I was working this really taxing and demanding consulting job. And all of us were, were trying to like kind of juggle working these full-time commitments in our lives and then doing this thing on the side. That's kind of our big dream. And in a lot of ways, it was a very slow churn of our time and a slow burn until we finally realized that, hey, listen, like, unless we go all in, this is gonna work, isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And we had to ask ourselves, are we willing to go all in? And mm-hmm. the answer for all of us was like, yeah, no, not at the time. Dang. Yeah. So, Dang. but again, I learned a lot, worked with yeah. a really wonderful team. I have a very good relationship with my collaborator still, and, you know, we still work on cool shit whenever we get the chance to. Uh-huh. So, um, I, yeah, I learned a lot from that. And, and I mean, what it kind of taught me was, so throughout my life, I've been very, I've been, I, so I grew up in this like kind of environment, a very encouraging environment, right? So my family good. was always like, yeah, if you try to do anything, you could do it. So, so my That's dreams- That's amazing. I'm my, really glad to hear that. I'm um, very, very fortunate. Yeah. So my dreams have ranged from me wanting to be like a, a, a podcaster to like a stunt car driver to like an actor to, you know, a whole bunch of things to, to now like I'm, I'm, you know, doing whatever I'm doing. And um, what this experience taught me was, you know, I-, I it's, it's good to be really kind of happy-go-lucky in a sense and, and try your hand at everything you want. Mm-hmm. But um, in my continuing relationship with failure, I realized that I have to be very precise and committed to things that I really try. Because mm-hmm. if I don't give something 100% of my time and I don't really go for it, then um, the failure in a sense, if it happens, isn't as satisfying. Like I don't, like this sense of failure, it, the reason it taught me a lot was because it tried, because we failed very slowly. 
you know, yes. we failed over time. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that was because of <clears throat> ignorance and neglect. Cause like a lot of us had these ideas of what this company was going to look like, but we just didn't have the time to work on it. Sure. You know? So we'd have these like monthly check-ins and we'd be like, yeah, who's done what? And then over time we just noticed that Delta of work that was supposed to get done, go down and down and down. And, um, you know, now I'm in a situation where, I mean, I know I'm going to try to do something like this again, but if I do, I know I'll know to go all in. And I know if I don't cash all my chips in one go, then mm-hmm. then that slow burn and slow failure is something that I want to avoid at all costs. So. Cash all my chips really struck me. I have a feeling <laughs> that's going to be the episode title. <laughs> um, something that I think is so, uh, well, this is new for me, um, you know, in your stories of, you know, maybe making a mistake or something, it, you, you told me that you, you wanted to, you wanted to keep failing. Like you wanted to have the freedom to keep failing and you yeah. couldn't even do that. And I think that that's, I mean, first of all, unfair, but second of all, um, you know, I hope that, and I, I don't know if, if, if it will or not, but you know, your decision to like, okay, I'm going to get this nine to five. I'm going to work this job. And maybe, maybe this, maybe this idea flops. Um, but I hope that, you know, in the long run, it, it, it lets you, you know, try again. Like, you said you like I don't it doesn't seem like you've given up on this idea dancing no. robots. I mean, you can't you know, I'm going to say you cannot give up on that idea. Right. No, fair enough and 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 that does fit in my calculus of how I kind of am planning this as well now, right? So, um like I said I'm here in a visa and for me to really have the freedom to try and fail um to try and fail. Yeah. But in, in both, yeah. Way, yeah. Um I, I need to have that freedom and flexibility to not be on this work visa. So now my calculus involves that. Like, what are ways in which I can, you know, um, you know, try to be in a position where I don't have that looming, I mean, getting deported idea out of my head. Of, yeah. Of, okay, if I don't have a job, then I'm, I have to leave the country type of thing. So that, mm-hmm. that fits in my calculus now for sure. And that's that's been my focus um, over the past couple of years is, is how do I f- put myself in a position where I can comfortably fail without that risk in my head mm-hmm. or or how do I accept that risk and and can I find an idea or or something that I'm devoted to enough to again cash in all my chips mm-hmm. and, you know and say fuck it if this doesn't work and yeah. I have to leave then that's fine it's it's you know I go down doing something that I loved so, I um, cannot wait until you find that idea I am so excited and and then like talking with you like I mean okay I I know you I've known you before I interviewed you today right. but I mean, I never would have known that you like, you know, had been dealing with all the stress of like, am I going to get deported? Like, that's an insane thing, I'm sure, to like constantly have in the back of your mind. And, um, you know, on the outside and like knowing you as a friend, like I, it, it just, it doesn't even seem like that would be something you were dealing with because you seem so relaxed, happy and successful. <laughs> and um, I, I do commend you because I think that, you know, obviously, again, something that I, I, I might not ever have to deal with in my entire lifetime. Um, and you are handling it so well and so gracefully and also like doing, literally doing the coolest projects I have ever heard of in my entire life. Thanks, Eddie. So you're well, you're welcome, Ashan. <laughs> and you know, I just want to circle back. I still can't believe that you did my podcast already <laughs> in India. <laughs> you were like, "Yeah, I'm going to go on her podcast and tell her how I did her podcast." And I then failed I, at it. And it's kind of perfect. And you were like, eh, "I don't need it's to release this." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "This is my life right now." <laughs> Honestly, maybe I failed just so I could come on this podcast. I think I think you were thinking of me when it's you. Me. I know. Maybe. And I know we didn't know each other then. <laughs> but you were like, "I'm going to meet this girl." And she's gonna do this, and she should do it. She yep. should. It shouldn't be and me. You're doing a much better job. Than <laughs> I could ever do, so, 
<laughs> wow. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on here and, and talking with me and being vulnerable and just being an amazing guest. Thanks, Addie. This was fun. Good. I'm really glad you had a good time. Thank you for listening to Flirting with Failure. I love doing this podcast with my whole heart. If you like listening to me do this podcast with my whole heart and would like to support this project monetarily, please be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash flirtingwithfailurepod, where you can get special access to behind-the-scenes footage, merch, extra episodes, and much, much more. Our intro and outro music is Look Better in Gold by Friday Pilots Club. Make sure to stream them on Spotify. And a huge thank you to Gabby Gottlieb and Jason Ryder for production and editing. And most importantly, thank you to all my listeners. Stay flirty. Stay flirty.